Well, Pastor John, I appreciate your family, your your father, and uh, I met your mother in Colorado City. And your dad spoke to my life powerfully about this book here and uh, told me some things I didn't want to hear about it because he's such a perfectionist. And so, uh, but he helped make my book, I think, readable. So, uh, <clears throat> anyway, it's it's been a blessing to our lives to be intertwined, and it's always good to be here at, uh, in Midland, Texas. Amen. <clears throat> Can I hold this a little closer? Is that too loud? Okay, I'm kind of hearing myself. Okay. Put it down. There we go. All right, but... Uh, I'm, I'm a senior pastor, as you said, I've been at my church 32 years, and uh, last year I just, I got brave enough to share my heart with my church, and uh, I was scared to tell them the dream that was in my heart, and we did have a great move of God in our church, and God's still moving, but we took about 10 years probably just getting the atmosphere right for what we saw God do in a year and a half. And uh, my life has been ruined because of the presence of God and revival in a good way. And I can never go back to be the way things used to be. I'm just, I don't, I'm not that way anymore. That's just not a part of me. And, uh, but God, even before we had our big revival, God was opening up doors to travel and share because we were having a great move of God in our, our little bitty church, little sawmill town, 1,500 people, uh, People don't know where Corgan is, but God knows. And when God shows up, people find out. And uh, but uh, I uh, would travel and share my heart, and then the revival came, and then it, it only opened up other doors. And this book here I wrote, "Running with Your Second Wind." It's it's about my journey. It's not a life story. It's just the messages, the ideas, the thoughts God gave me that helped my church prepare for what we were about to experience. It doesn't just tell you how to experience a greater measure of the presence of God in your life in church, but what happens when he comes, and most importantly, how to keep it when it gets there. Amen. You don't want the best time of your life to slip through your hands. And so uh, the book is full of powerful uh, testimonies, real-life examples, and I told my son-in-law, David, back there a while ago, I said, when I wrote this book, I said, I, I told everything I knew to say. And I thought, I'll never, ever, ever write another book. But then little other messages begin to come to me. And, and the more you walk this thing out, the more I have inside of me. Now, last year was a tough year. Uh, uh, and I didn't get to write any, but I got three books in my heart for this year that I aim to get out before. Um, maybe if you have me back this time next year, I'll have three other mini books to write. But uh, anyway, this is about revival that is coming to America. It's a done deal. Amen. It don't matter what you read on the news or what you hear people saying. God said it. Amen. I believe it. That settles it. Amen. You, you heard that, you old timers heard that old saying, God said it, I believe it, that settles it. Someone else came back and says, well, God said it, that settles it, whether I believe it or not. Amen? <laughs> Revival in America is a done deal. Amen? And we just, God's looking for some people that are willing to get in the flow and be a part of it. And I just decided if God's going to do something, I'm going to be on the cutting edge of it. Uh, someone said one time, unless you're the lead dog in a pack of, what do you call them, uh, uh, you know, the dogs that do the 
sled dogs, unless you're the lead dog, all the views are the same, you know. And so I don't want to reach somebody else's testimony, amen. And what changed my life was when I got tired of hearing other people have all the good stories to tell about stuff that happens in the presence of God. And I said, God, would you do it for me? And I honestly didn't, ex- I didn't think God would hear me. But it's changed my life. You'll enjoy this book, Running With Your Second Wind. I wish I had time to share tonight some things that are just happening in America that prove that what I've been preaching for 10 years, believing for 15, 20 years, is just about to happen. Amen. God has set the stage for some great things in America. Uh, after I wrote Second Wind, I, I, I got a sense of humor and insight. And uh, I, I wrote a book called Second Thoughts. Thoughts that only take a second to read, you know. And uh, really, I, it began because I always, I think a church ought to have a nice marquee out front with, with quotes on it. And I hate, run, I hate average quotes. So I started, you know, collecting every good quote I could. And you pass by my church, you'll always see a quote you never read before on a church sign. Don't you get tired of seeing seven days without prayer makes one week? I mean... <laughs> You won't find that in my book, but you'll find a bunch of new quotes and quips. And I've been working on this, and I've got enough material for a full-size book. i just got to get around and put it all together. But after I wrote Second Thoughts, I, I, I was in Birmingham, Alabama at 2 o'clock one morning in the evangelist quarters as I was holding services. And I woke up 2 o'clock in the morning. There was someone standing at the foot of my bed. I, uh, and it didn't scare me. It, it was a messenger from the Lord and told me to pull a chapter from Second, Story, Second Wind and uh, make a little mini-book out of it. And lots of times when people are depressed, discouraged, suicidal, they're not going to read a book about encouragement and inspiration. Uh, people that have heard me preach this message and people that have read my book have told me repeatedly it's one of the best messages on deliverance that you'll find anywhere. And uh, people are so bound up by negativity. Now, I'm not going to be politically correct here. Uh, I believe in demons. I don't, I don't think about them. But as God trusts me more going out in the realm I'm in, I have to encounter them. And uh, you know, we encounter it all the time. As many, and as I travel more and more, I'm finding it. And so I wrote a book on deliverance. And uh, it's a powerful book. This has changed a lot of people's lives. You'll want to get this book. By the way, the second wind is $15. My mini books are $6. Don on me the other day, 666. I need to change it either to 555 or 777. But uh, uh, so uh, anyway, uh, hey, but you get all four books tonight for $20. Okay, I'm not making money, but I'm making friends. You know, and I believe God's given me a message. It doesn't, you know, if I try to make money selling something and I limit people that can read the book because it's, it's maybe you like all of them, but you can't. I like to make it so you can get it in your hands, okay? And I don't mind giving books away, but when I give books away, I find out everybody wants a book. <laughs> and I don't mind sowing into good ground, but when you give it away, everybody wants a book and for their neighbor, and, and, but then they, they do nothing with them because they don't have any investment in it. If it doesn't cost you something, you're not going to glean from it. So I, I, I want to get my stuff in good ground. But I'm going to preach along this realm tonight in a book I came out with uh, about a year and a half ago called The Unseen Realm. Now, God's given me a powerful message on the 
the deliverance realm, darkness. But I, I don't like to talk about darkness. I'd rather talk about the light, okay? Now, because I'm a pastor of 32 years, I can, I, I'm confident in talking about some stuff tonight that I couldn't if I was just a, kind of a newbie pastor. If I was a newbie pastor, I wouldn't know what I was talking about because there's some things out there that are far deeper than, than I, I, you know. And, uh, but I, I, I don't mind talking about angels, okay? Okay, you can talk about angels without being wacky. All right, so I'm brave enough to talk about it tonight. Angels are among us. Amen. And if, if, if someone came into my church, I want to talk about angels. I'm going I'm to test the spirit, you know, because, but, you know, we need to, we need to trust God. And we get so busy trust, uh, testing spirits, it's, it's all because of negativity. But the world we're living in, it's all over television, the supernatural. Amen. And the reason the New Agers are going after the uh, the the the, the uh, uh, angels is because the church is doing nothing with them. Amen. You don't hear angels talked about in church, you know. And so why is the world gravitating to New Age? Because well, they're they're hearing them talk about stuff that they read in our Bible that we don't talk about because we don't believe in it because someone might think we're wacky. All right. So. I don't think I have a wacky approach to angels, and I think tonight it's going to open up your heart and your spirit. Amen, but you get all, all books for, for $20. Uh, I was watching Fox News one Sunday morning, and they had an Anglican priest come. And the Anglican priest, the reason he was there, someone had heard him say that that he felt that the church in America was one generation away from extinction. And I started to rebuke him. I don't believe that until I look around if we want to take an honest look. You can't hardly get people to church. You can't hardly get them there on a Sunday morning. You can't hardly get them there on a Wednesday night. And as I travel, I, I got to admit, what I believe in my heart about a church thriving in America is not what I'm seeing with my eyes. If we want to be honest, it looks like the church in America has seen its better day. Used to be the churches were filled up with people. Used to be people knew what the prayer meeting was, the prayer room. We used to know what tearing was all about. And I didn't like what he was saying as if the church was about to just shut down in America. But I've been in some places except someone gets saved in the next couple of years. The core that's there in their 70s and 80s, it's just a matter of a year or two where there's no one left in the church. Now, we've traveled Europe enough to know that what once were thriving cathedrals are now turning into insane asylums, bed and breakfast, uh, motels, daycare centers, even mosques. What once used to be thriving, and, and he said what's happened in Europe is about to happen in America. And then to get another angle on it, they brought in a Catholic priest. Well, I ain't got no use to listen to a Catholic priest. That's what I was thinking. I've since come to learn that not all Catholics are demonized. You know, I found out there truly are some wonderful 
spirit-filled believers, and I found out there's some pretty awful Assembly of God folks and four-square folks out there. But I, was, I want to hear what this Catholic guy has to say because he don't know nothing. And he gets up there and he says, I believe except we see the return of signs, miracles, and wonders in our churches, I too believe that we're only 20 years away from the church being snuffed out in America. Now, everybody's not like us. You know, even on Wednesday nights, we're singing about the power and the glory and the presence of God. Some churches don't even approach that. My associate, oh, by the way, I, I said, I, I, at this year at home, I've put together a pastoral team with the blessing of my congregation and my church board so I can travel more. I'm going to be out about two Sundays a month, so I, I'm excited. I, they, they have better church without me anyway. <laughs> I was leading up to that. This is a, the beginning of a new season for me in my life. But Monica, my associate, we have a, a Facebook group in the Assemblies of God, and it's ministers under 40. And some of those guys have never seen a move of God. The things that we hold precious and dear, they just sh- soon shoot them down. They'd rather talk about drinking alcohol. Talk about secular stuff, that the stuff that we believe to be a God, they, they're convinced of the devil, but they just haven't seen. And they're just preaching from the pulpits what they haven't seen. And I'm sure the four square church has probably the same type folks that have just, that generation has lost something. And I'm thinking, why is a Catholic priest saying we need the return of signs, miracles, and wonders back to the church? Why aren't we hearing Pentecostal, spirit-filled, simply God, four-square preachers preaching that? And I realize that we have to have a move of God in America or we are sunk. In my book, Second Wind, I share a principle there. I think it's about the third chapter. It tells a story about Sennacherib, the king of the Assyrians, sent a letter to Hezekiah, the king of the tribe of Judah, and says, we want to fight you guys. I mean, he gave, you know, you know, when you, you know you outnumber them, you want to play the intimidation game. We're not going to fight you because we're mad at you. We just going to fight you because we need some military training. Need some war games. And he says, I know you guys can't stand a chance, so to give you a fighting chance, if you can train men to ride horses, he said, I will give you 2,000 horses. Now, what God spoke to me out of this was, you see, a foot soldier never has an advantage over a horse soldier. The one that controls the high ground or walk on a higher level always determines the outcome of the battle. Now, he was just poking fun at at Hezekiah and what they didn't have and says, to make this somewhat of a fighting chance for us, if you can train men to fight on a different level of warfare, I'll just give you 2,000 horses. Now, you know, you don't mess with God's people. That night, the angel of the Lord came down and slew all 185,000 of the Assyrians. 
Judah didn't have to lift a finger. But what I learned, what God told me as I wrote this book, the emphasis of this book, we got to learn to live on a higher level. We got to learn to walk and understand and operate on a higher level. And what God told me, if I could prepare my church to understand things and operate on a higher level, he says, I'll send my glory. See, not everybody knows about the glory of God. Not everybody knows about, about warfare. Not everybody understands the unseen realm. Amen. And we're just, we're just, we're just, we're just staring about day to day trying to live our little lives. And we don't have a clue as to what's going on all around us. There is a realm all around us that's dark and there's a realm around us that, that is light. But don't be afraid. Light is greater than darkness. Amen. When Satan fell, I'm not here to talk about Satan's fall, but when he fell, took a third of the angels with him. But there's, uh, before every one that fell, there were two that stayed with God. And you know, eh, eh, even one angel with the backing of God is greater than all of hell. Are you with me? But listen, there's a realm that's all around us. All around us. It's in our homes. It's in the schools. It's in the colleges. It, 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 there's nowhere that it's not. The supernatural realm is an operation. And if you understand it, you can work with it. And if you don't understand it, darkness will overcome you. It's the things in the unseen realm that affects the earthly affairs of men and women. It's the unseen realm that affects the affairs of city government, county government, state government, national government, even the affairs of the world. It's that supernatural realm. See, we're in the fleshly realm. And we don't, if, it's, if we can't see it, we don't believe it. That's the idea of most people. But there's things all around us. You don't understand why things are going wrong. You don't understand why the, uh, the husband or the kids or even the animals act the way. And animals are responsive to the supernatural realm. Balaam's donkey. Balaam's donkey was trying to keep him from the sword of the angel of the Lord. And he kept faltering in the way. And Balaam got so mad, he yelled, get, a, get on through the gate, donkey. I'm going to take my sword and I'm going to smite you with it. And the donkey speaks up and says, you don't have any clue as to what's ahead of you. Are you with me? Listen, I'm not weird, I don't think. The, the, the unseen realm affects everything around us. I've been around animals that have exhibited unnatural behavior. I don't want to... Isaiah 48.11 says, He will guide us continually. Every day when I get up, I, I say, God, what is it you want me to do today 
What is it you're trying to tell me? What is it you're trying to show me? I don't have time to tell everything. and I'm going to get bogged down. My introduction won't get to my message. I was heading off to South Texas, Freer, Texas. It's, when I say it's a devil-infested town, it's a, it's a Colombian cartel-controlled town. God had dispatched me there to hold services, and honestly, I was scared. I had a friend that had come out of the mafia. He was a hitman for the cartel, but he got saved now. He's a preacher down there, and he brought me in. And he enlightened me on a lot of what we would be encountering. And I tried to get some friends to go with me, one that was a police officer. that I knew he carried a gun. I thought that'd come in handy. You never know what's going to happen in a service. Last time I was here, a man comes in and throws a liquor bottle at me. Remember that? I wasn't so sure about going to South Texas. 30 minutes from the border, the, the cartel operates just out, just outside the border town where they can operate without so much interference from the government. And I couldn't get no armed men to go with me. And I went out to get, to get my, I got, had chickens at that time. And I went out to chick, uh, get eggs one last time. And I got a big old rooster. That rooster has never caused me a problem. But the moment I turned to reach out and pick up an egg, that rooster flared up at me and tried to spur me. And yet somehow I just managed to be right out of the distance of the spur. Oh, yes, that's what roosters do. Well, my rooster never did that. It was out of the ordinary. But as I was, I was packed, the car was packed, I was ready to go. But God was giving me a little, a little picture there that when they come up and try to get you in the back, not to worry because he's got me covered. Now, maybe that means nothing to you, but I knew what I was facing and God gave me confidence that as I went to where I was going, he was going to have me covered. That's what angels do. But I'm here tonight to talk about the supernatural realm. I got to get 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 going here. I was in San Antonio, Texas, about two years ago, and before service. Now, when I pray, I like to walk in big circles around the church, and I'll just I'll just take big steps and I'll just walk. And and we were there, me and one of my trustees of my church. The pastor was there, which is an intercessor, and I had another pastor's wife there that were intercessors. Just about six of us, five of us in the building, and uh, we were having a time of prayer about an hour before service began. And the, they didn't have nice carpet like you have here. They had these white commercial white 12 by 12 tiles. And right over here, there was one gray tile. I don't know why one gray one was there out of all the white ones. It was evidently one broke. They put what they had. But as I was making the rounds, one of my many rounds, I was going around. And as I stepped across this tile, I bumped into something. It didn't scare me. It's like when I bumped into it and walked through it, I was given some information. And the information that I was given, that there would be someone 
in the service that night, I was preaching the message of the second story window about deliverance. And the, I was given the information that someone would be there tonight that was so bound up by anxiety and fear that it would be balled up physically like a ball of worms right above the left breast. Now, that's kind of a weird... I've never seen anybody with a, a ball of nerves before. But that's what I was told. It was They were so bound up by fear, it had manifested like a lump right here above the chest. And there wasn't a whole lot of people in church that night, but I felt I should address it. And as I took the mic and began to, to begin to speak, I said, by the way, God says someone tonight is so bound up with anxiety and fear, oppression in your life, it's like something is right here balled up. Immediately, a lady lifted up her hand and said, it's me. I said, you've got something manifested above your left chest because of anxiety and fear. She said, yes. Here's the crazy thing. She was the closest person in the church to that gray towel. She was five feet from it. This towel was directly in front of her, and she didn't come into the service till 30 minutes after it started. All I know is it had to be an angel of the Lord that was standing there and waiting for her. <coughs> Are you with me? Angels bring messages. Angels... Come and tell us what's on the heart of God. As I'm beginning to speak to that, you're beginning to understand you've had these premonitions. Or you heard the Holy Spirit speak in your ear. I'm beginning to learn these are angels of the Lord. I preach the message immediately before I even finished the altar call, she was up and God had instantly done an incredible deliverance in her life. He was ready and he was waiting for her. Another quick story. Just last year, my daughter had, had lost her job. The, the company went under and for several months she couldn't find the job. Now, she'll never settle for an ordinary job. She's not ever going to be just a sales clerk. She's special. She's different. She's got a bubbly personality. Jobs find her. But for months she couldn't find a job. And finally one day she got the call to go for a job interview and she thought this would be the perfect job. And she got in her car, went to, to the job interview, and her GPS got all screwed up. And she ended up on the other side of Houston. And finally, when she realized what had happened, she got her bearings and got to where she was supposed to be. And as she walked through the door, a young man was walking out with a smile on his face. And she told the guy that was hiring, says, I'm here for the job interview. She says, I'm sorry, young lady. Said, you were late for your interview. That young man right there just got your job. And my daughter was devastated. She called us crying in boohood. Amen. This was her one chance for a good job. But then that afternoon, she got a call from another recruiter. And she was chosen one out of 1,600 resumes 
for her job of a lifetime, starting out with more money than she's ever made. You see, because we would pray over her situ- over our children and their situations, decisions they make, and all of a sudden, I believe it had to be, and I can't prove it. But I know what works when we pray. Something caused her GPS that had never messed up before, that has not messed up since, to get things messed up because if she'd have took that job that morning, she'd have turned down the phone call in the afternoon. Can I tell you, God works through ways that we cannot see. How does God open doors and how does God shut doors? Well, God does it. I tell you what God is. He's a big magician. Abracadabra, there it is. Hocus pocus. That's not what God does. God created angels. Angels are the workforce of heaven that when God speaks it in heaven, it gets done on earth. And when I began to really understand this, it totally changed my prayer life because I know that God listens to what I say and He wants to work with me. 1 Corinthians 4.9 says, We are made spectacles unto angels and men. I know you see me as I speak, but as I speak... Heaven also watches. Heaven watches you. I don't believe in premonitions. I don't believe in telepathy, mental powers. But you women that pray, you know what it is when your kids are doing something they're not supposed to be doing. Angels of the Lord report to us things that we should not ever know. I don't know how it would work for you, but I have found when I know that, when I say God speaks, how does God, God can speak, but oftentimes God speaks through angels. Go read it. He speaks through angels. God could have spoke to Mo, uh, to Joseph himself. He could have spoke to Mary himself or whoever. But God sends a messenger. But I have times in my life when I've heard the messenger of the Lord, it comes over my right shoulder into my right ear. Times that I hear these voices. I was I was one day many years ago. I needed a load binder. In Texas, we in East Texas, it's logging industry like over here. It's oil. Everybody uses these load binders. I needed one for a little project I was working on. I went to the Lowe's, it was seventy dollars for a load binder and a thirty-foot chain that I needed. I had seventy dollars in my billfold, but it was also my grocery money for my wife and four babies at home. And as I picked up the load binder, put it in my basket, I heard that voice said, put it back. Well, I'd rather feed my family than spend money. So that was the easy choice. I said, I don't know what I'll do, but I'll come up with something. Honest to God, the very next day at church, sitting in my office, all of a sudden I felt an urgency that I should go in town and buy a loaf of bread. And when I, when I hear that voice, I don't waste time. I get up and I hit it, running. And I get in my car, hit the crossover, going down the highway. And as I pass the church, something catches my attention. There is a load binder and a 30-foot chain 
on the shoulder of the highway, right smack dab in the center of the church building. It wasn't down the road somewhere. It was dropped off from me as dead center of the front of the church as I could, I could, I could not have placed it better there myself. I don't know what angel got brave enough to get on the log truck going 70 miles an hour down the road and yanks the thing off and just happens to throw it in the right spot at the right time. And then I got that urging in my spirit to get up and go. You know what it is. When you got to get up and go, it's because there's an open door and you got to step through it. Now, men are going to stop and pick up a load binder and chain. It could not have been there more than seconds. I mean, that's almost a $100 bill there. But God had it prepared and waiting for me. Real quick, let me tell you five angel facts. Number one, the Holy Spirit realm and the angelic realm are not the same. The Holy Spirit is not an angel. The Holy Spirit draws us to Jesus. The Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. The Holy Spirit gives us Holy Ghost power. Okay? Angels are the workforce of God. The Holy Spirit is God. Angels are created by God for purposes of His own earth. Now, you know, what difference does it make? Well, it, just the better you understand the working of the supernatural, the more you can work with it. Okay? So, I've heard the Holy Spirit say, I better, I better get right. I better stay on track. But I do know what it's like also for the, for the angel to come and give me information. Okay? Number two, it's not important to see angels as to know they're out there and they exist. You're not going to hear me pray, God, let them see angels. No, it's not important for you to see an angel. If you can just believe that God has a workforce that works among us, among us, and if you see it, that's fine. If you don't, don't worry about it. Just because someone says they see angels doesn't make them more spiritual than you. Can I tell you there are angels that can be seen and angels that cannot be seen? Going to where Peter was in prison, an angel came Woke him up, says, come on, Peter, get up, let's go. And Peter followed the angel outside the gates of the city. But when they got to the gates of the city, the Bible says, by their own accord, the iron gates opened up. There were angels there at work that he could not see. So you, you don't have to see them to know that they're working for us. Number three. Angels assigned to your life will not fight demons at your Befriending. Does that make sense? Don't you bring occultic movies into your home. Are you with me? Don't open yourself up to satanic stuff and then expect God's angels to hover over you. Angels encamp around the righteous. Hanging out with their own crowd. Don't expect the angels of the Lord to go where they fear to tread. Angels are not suckers. They understand warfare. Warfare is 
ugly. And if you're entertaining darkness in your life, don't expect heaven to come to your aid. Number four, you never worship angels. Reading the other day over in Revelation, the one who was the one to fall at the feet of the angel began to worship, and the angel said, don't worship me because I'm a created being just like you. Angels were created for purpose just like we're created for purpose. Angels don't worship you. You don't worship angels. We worship the Father. Any angel that would try to entice you to worship them is not a, is not a holy angel. Now, I, I've, I've told four things about angels. This last one could get me right out of the church. Can I share it? This might get me in trouble. Dead serious now. Angels are not your deceased loved ones. Listen, listen, listen. The moment you open your mouth and you say, I think my daddy's trying to tell me something. You've opened yourself up to the demonic. That old, that old things like, you know, if a, uh, you find a penny on the ground, someone from the other side is trying to tell you something. People get caught up in superstition. Superstition leads to demonic interest and demonic interest leads to demonic oppression and possession. I got good friends in Corrigan, older couple, well-established, we thought, in the Baptist church. But she's a very creative, a very artistic person, and she found out that she was, uh, she was, uh, she was on her typewriter, it was. And she found, I don't, don't nobody go do this. And I hate to say this because some teenager is going to say, well, that sounds kind of Cool. But how you yield your body and all of a sudden messages from the other side. Anybody ever heard of that? Automatic handwriting. You just yield yourself and all of a sudden there's messages and her daddy begin to communicate to her from the other side. But the problem is it's not her daddy. It's not your daddy. It's not your mama. It's not your child. It's not your brother or your sister. Amen. The devil will hijack the identity of the one that you love because you wouldn't listen to a devil, but you would listen to them. Are you with me? They never, never, never say, heaven got another angel. Don't ever say, my, my mama's an angel in heaven now because she's not. Let her enjoy the presence and the goodness of God. Let me read a, cha- a paragraph from my book. Angels are created beings who are inhabitants of the heavenlies and described as mighty, strong, glorious, fearsome, wise, and flaming. They move swiftly from place to place. They fight, they shout, they speak, they go before, and they go behind. They can bless, they can destroy. They move through lightning, through thunder, through storms, earthquakes, hailstones, and fire. Angels are fierce enough to make a king tremble and yet tender enough to bring comfort to a baby in a wilderness. Angels bring the answers to our prayers. They carry God's provision from his storeroom. And the angels bring deliverance and they bind demonic powers. They provide protection and strength to the people. God uses them as his healing instruments. They execute his judgments. They are his reapers and gatherers. They stand ready to do whatever he wants them to do. That's what angels do. Now, 2 Corinthians 4.18, here's what Paul tells us. We look not at 
the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. We're getting so busy trying to figure out things in the flesh. With the flesh and your eyes, you can't discern the kingdom of God. You can't see what God's doing on the earth with your eyes. You've got to look deeper. And Paul said, don't look at what you can see. Got to learn to operate on a higher level. We operate by what we can't see. Jesus said in Luke 10, 23, he turned to his disciples and said privately. And I'll say privately because you can't tell everybody everything you see and everything you know. Listen, if you say you've seen angels, you better have a life of integrity. Why did all the wacky people see angels and they like to tell people about it? Jesus talked to them privately because everybody's not going to understand and somebody is going to make try to make something out of it that's not. Even when Mary was given the instructions by the angel, she took those things and secretly pondered them in her heart. Things that you are told, information you're given, you don't always get to tell other people about. But here's what Jesus says. Blessed are the eyes which see the things that you see. For I tell you, many prophets and kings have desired to see those things which ye see and have not seen them. Let me move on so I can get finished here. Colossians 1.16 Angels are created with ranks and purposes. Listen to this. For by him are all things created that are in the heaven, that are in the earth. Visible and invisible. That right there tells you there's a realm that you can't see with your natural eyes. Whether they be thrones, you mean thrones that you can see and thrones you can't see. There's dominions and principalities and powers you can see and those you can't see. All things were created by him and for him, but we know that Satan deceived a third of them and they fell with him and we have warfare in the earth. Many angels, many different categories and ranks of angels and not all angels like to do the same things. One of the, one of the, uh, 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 a familiar one is a seraphim. Seraphims, they're not warring angels, they like to sing. They like to entertain the presence of God. I was in Birmingham, Alabama, preaching at a different church than the other one I referred to a while ago and, and uh, a couple of years ago, and a very intense time in the presence and the glory of God. It was a Pentecostal church, but they didn't have any instruments, so they had no, no musicians, so they had no instruments in the church. Not even, no piano, didn't, didn't even have a tambourine. Nothing. But when... Heaven come down and people begin to worship. Worship. You couldn't stop them. I had a guy come up and evangelist said, man, just, just, just say something in this atmosphere. And he gets up there and quotes about the, the greater anointing that comes when God's people dwell together in unity. And it just got deeper and deeper. Then I had a lady pastor come over. I said, sister, would you come and just say something? And she takes the mic and says, I can't say anything. All I want to do is sing. And she opens her mouth and starts singing in the Holy Ghost. And as she starts singing in the Holy Ghost, 
heaven opened up. Everybody at the front, we started looking at each other. Where is the, that sound coming from? It wasn't an earthly sound. It was a, say, unearthly. It didn't have an earthly source. Someone sent word back to the sound booth and said, What CD do you have in the CD deck? He says, I don't have anything in the CD deck. A lady comes running in from the other building watching the kids. There's not music wired over there. She doesn't have any clue what's going on, but she could hear the music through the walls. She comes running through the swinging door, says, What is that sound? Where is it coming from? And she quickly realized it was heaven, and she says, I'm not going back to the kids. I'm staying in here. The old-timers call that God's choir or the angelic host. It was common back in the old Pentecostal days, and even as there's a new wave of God breaking on the earth, we're getting more and more reports of it being heard. Now, I was writing about that in my book, and I was up late one night, Sitting with my wife's parents, he was 95, she was 94. They both died within that year. I was giving my wife a break, and about midnight I was sitting writing on the book. I was writing about seraphs and how seraphs like to sing, and I was talking about the angel choir that I experienced just a short time before in Birmingham, Alabama. And I got so sleepy, I just shut my computer down, went and laid down. About an hour later, I was awakened in the house by Rachel's mother, which is an introverted person, never speaks loud. She was singing at the top of her lungs. When she realized she woke me up, she came in there, tapped me on the shoulder, says, Phil, I'm, I'm sorry I woke you up, but let me tell you what happened. I was just laying there asleep, and two mighty angels came and woke me up and said, Would you worship Jesus with us? And that's what, how she opened her mouth, and she just began to sing with them. I was just writing about it. And then I experienced the effects of it with my own eyes and my own ears. Seraphs like to sing. Cherubs are angels that like to guard. You know, the mercy seat, you know, uh, you know there's cherubs, you know, like frozen in position, wingtip to wingtip facing each other. Well, that's just a, like if you've got a snapshot. But angels like to guard. Some angels like to protect. Monica, my associate pastor that fills in for me, that, that is stepping up in the church, right after her father killed himself, every night she, she was waking with a dark being trying to get into her bedroom. That spirit of suicide that had been attached to dad wanted to attach itself to her. Finally, about the third night, she said, I don't I don't know what to do. So she remembered the scripture about how uh, the, the Lord would give his angels charge to watch over us while we sleep. And she just began to confess the scripture. And the next night she woke up with a figure in the room. But this figure wasn't dark. It wasn't deathly. It was pacing as an angel of light at the foot of her bed. And she's never again experienced the darkness that tried to enter into that room. I could go on and on. Archangels, angels that bring messages. But angels are God's active agents on earth. Now, have you ever asked yourself, why does nothing ever happen for me? Why do I, why, why does good stuff always happen to other people? Why doesn't it hap, ever happen to me? Let me share a scripture with you. And one of the books I want to write in the future is called The Biggest Life from Hell. You know what the biggest life from hell is? 
This is the biggest lie from hell. If it's meant to be, it will be. Oh, that is so dangerous. Now, we are kingdom people. We seek God about everything we do. The steps of our lives are ordered because we passionately seek God. And some of you are that same way too. But there's some people that don't ever give God any thought. Never thought. But they just say, well, if God wants it, it'll be. There's sometimes you just got to make something happen. Are you with me? And that's what it is about the supernatural realm. God will work for you if you know how to initiate it, if you know how to activate it. Now, God will work for you even in your ignorance. Thank God the times that he stepped in because obviously we weren't going to pray and we weren't going to stand on his word and if he didn't have mercy on us. But when you know better, you can make the most of God's word. Because here's what the Bible says, uh, Psalms 103:19. The Lord has prepared his throne in heavens and his kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, ye his angels that excel in strength, that do his commandments, hearkening into the voice of his word. Angels are prepared to carry out the word of God. Now, you know, when people say, you got to pray the word, got to quote the word, got to believe the word, is that trying to convince you of something? Or is it reminding of God, reminding God of something that he's already promised? Listen, angels only, only respond to God's word. Don't you tell angels what you want them to do. All you've got to do is speak the word. Amen. Speak the word. You see, when we speak the word to God, God speaks words to angels. Say, prove that. Well, the Bible says... If we're ashamed of him before men, he'll be ashamed of us. But if we confess him before men, he will confess us before his holy angels. Are you with me? Heaven watches us. God repeats back to angels what he hears us say and do. I'm coming to a close here. I've got so much more I want to say, but I can't. I don't have time. But it says in Psalms 24, 9, Lift up your head, O ye gates. Even lift them up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. What happens? If you lift up your head, O ye gates, be lifted up, ye everlasting doors, the King of glory comes in. The Lord of hosts. Say host. The Lord of hosts. He is the King of of glory. Now listen, this, this, sometimes when I get to this point in my message, I just got to sit down because I get dizzy. Because I think about how big God is. Jeremiah 33.22 says, the host, what, what did we read just a moment ago? The Lord of hosts, he is the king of glory. The host of heaven cannot be numbered. Listen, the host of heaven cannot be numbered. Hebrews 12, 22 says, In the heavenly Jerusalem, there's an innumerable, innum say innumerable, innumerable company of angels. 
Daniel 7.10 says, A thousand thousands ministered unto him, and ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. That is beyond my mathematical ability to equate something that much, but those that can say that's 100 million angels. Revelation 5.11, John says, I beheld... I heard the voice of many angels, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. Now listen, as I begin to read about angels, God has angels everywhere doing stuff. And we get a snapshot of heaven, of just... A portion that's right there at the presence of God. But there's angels that encamp around the righteous. There's angels on assignment, angels that carry out activity, angels that can that, that, that influence kings, and that's not all the angels there, but it's ten thousand times ten thousands and thousands of thousands. God's got a Big thing going. And God wants those angels to be activated here on earth. Jesus said in Matthew 6, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done down here. Jesus said in Matthew 10, When you preach, say, The kingdom of heaven is at hand everywhere I go. Heaven is with me. It makes you confident. You see, we're just a fleshly thing that can be seen. But there's a whole lot with me that work for God. Who was it? Jacob? He dreamed and beheld a ladder set up, up on the earth, and it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God ascending and descending on it. Can I tell you? Angels are not a New Testament thing. They're not an apostolic thing. As long as there's been a God in the Garden of Eden, even to the time... When the last things we read about angels, one angel took Satan, bound him up, one angel, and cast him to the bottomless pit for a thousand years. Angels are all throughout God's word performing God's mandate on earth. It's nice to know that God works for these other people. That's the problem. God works for everybody but me. But God will work for you when you learn how to activate heaven. How do you act? Long story short, the worlds, the Bible says, were framed by the word of God. Everything that was created down here that we can see was created because Jesus spoke it. And listen, when you speak his word into your situation, it's not magic. It's just Repeating back to God what he's already promised to do for you. 
And the Bible says, angels hearken unto the voice of his word. His word. When you speak the word in faith, angels are dispatched to work for you. See, when the church was praying for Peter, that's when God dispatched an angel. God didn't dispatch an angel just because he wanted to. The church prayed. When the church prayed, God dispatched. One thing I've learned, you'll never get a million-dollar breakthrough with a 10-cent prayer. You know, my, my, my book's a small book about angels, but my wife says it's packed with stuff. But really, I wrote the book. For one thing, I'm about to share with you right now, and I'll, I'll close. There's so much more I can say about angels. I'll say a lot more in the book. Back as my church was preparing for revival, we knew it was coming. We knew it was coming. It was a done deal. God promised it. We was in prayer meeting one night. I mean, people were actively engaged in prayer. I like it when the intercessors get on autopilot. They're in the zone. Spirit's there. And I kind of got winded. I came over here and I just sat down on the edge of the platform to catch my breath. And the moment I did, something drew my attention up here. And at first it looked like a big tarp, big white tarp. And as I watched it, that tarp began to lighten up a little bit. And it became like a heavy curtain. And the more I watched it, it became like a thin, lacy veil, like chiffon. And then it just kind of drifted back. And as I looked up, I could see heaven. Now, I hope you don't think I'm one of these weirdo guys. I I don't usually, I don't talk like this. It don't happen to me. But God, let me see what was happening in the heavenly realm as we were praying in the earthly realm. This is what God wanted me to see. As we were praying for our town of Corrigan, God let me see something happening in the courtyard of heaven. And as far as I could see, there were angels everywhere. And the craziest thing, they were sitting in like groups of 12, huddled together like a bunch of soldiers or a bunch of Indians. And they weren't worshiping, they weren't playing harps, they were just sitting there. They were bored to death. I could tell that they were bored to death. But then, as we were praying down here, way in the distance I could see the throne of God. And I heard the word, Corgan. Same thing as him saying, Midland. And I realized what was happening. There are angels assigned to my church, to my ministry, to my life. Angels that were going to work with us for what God had called us to do. And in prayer, we got heaven's attention And God dispatched angels that were to work with us. Understand that. And that's when, when he said, Corgan, all of a sudden these angels stood up. 
And then I looked around. All these angels, as far as I could see, turned and looked at the 12 angels. Now, 12 is the number of government, of jurisdiction, and authority. And as all these other angels saw the angels assigned to me, to my church, stood up. All these other angels looked up with envy in their eyes. I hope you can kind of get the feeling. If there's angels assigned to my life, but I'm not praying, what are they doing? They're waiting for instruction, hoping somebody will pray. That's the only reason I'm talking about angels tonight. God has angels assigned to work with you. But if you're not framing your situation by the word of God, how come everybody's kids get saved but yours? Maybe you haven't tapped into heaven yet. Now we understand angels, they go and minister to the heirs of salvation, those that aren't even saved yet. Angels want to work with us and for us but if we're not praying, they're waiting. If they worked in spite of us not praying, well, we wouldn't have to pray. Are you with me? I've had to get the revelation. There's most likely angels in heaven that have never, ever, listen, never, ever carried out an earthly assignment. There's churches that have never prayed. There's men and women that never pray. There's women with unsaved husbands that never really activate heaven. And then we wonder, well, if God wants them saved, God will get them saved. But when you activate heaven, heaven will work with you. Now, I can't prove this, but I just think there's angels that are sitting right now that have never, ever carried out an assignment. Does that make sense? Bobby Connor, prophet from Texas, and I close. In the spirit, he operates on one of these deep levels. He was interacting on that spiritual realm, and he came across a bunch of angels dressed like pilgrims. He laughed at them. What are you dressed like pilgrims for? And their response was, that's the last time we had an earthly assignment. Tonight, I challenge you. I'd love for you to get the book and just read about activating heaven. It could change our lives, our ministry, our church, our, our, our city. But we're just having church when God wants to dispatch angels to work for us. Would you stand with me? Would you lift your hands to heaven? I, I can't add much more to what the Holy Spirit's already speaking to your heart. I don't want angels assigned to me 
just wishing I'd get it together. Heaven wants to work with me. Bless the Lord, ye His angels that excel in strength. Angels are perfectionist. They do it right. They complete what they're assigned to do. But we haphazardly live our lives. And if we get around to it, in prayer we might mumble something. Mumbling doesn't activate heaven. Come on, lift up your head, O ye gates. Be lifted up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in, the Lord of hosts. You see, when He shows up, He doesn't show up by Himself. He dispatches heaven to work for you. Come on, call out to Him right now. Come on, intercessors. Come on, prayer warriors. You don't have to have music to get you activated, to get you going, to get you moving. Hallelujah. God's Word. Hallelujah. The promise of God's Word. Hallelujah. God is who He is, said He is, and He will do what He said He will do. Hallelujah. 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 God wants to do marvelous things on earth. God wants to do marvelous things in your family. He wants to do marvelous things in your church and in your ministry in Midland. God wants to do marvelous things in America. God wants to do marvelous trips on your, things on your trips to Poland or wherever you go. The Lord worked with them, confirming their word with signs following. Come on, lift your voice to heaven. Lift your voice to heaven. Heaven is in the house right now. Heaven is watching. Heaven is hoping... Heaven is hoping that we might release them. Sometimes those angels probably feel like they've been chained up because they can't operate because you haven't stepped out in faith and you haven't claimed the promise of God's Word. Heaven wants to work with us. Heaven wants to work with us. Heaven wants to work with us in ways that we cannot see. Come on, intercessors, lift your voice to heaven. You tonight I've brought the word, but I can't pray a prayer that only you can pray for your city. I can't pray a prayer like you can over your family. I can agree with you. I can, I can encourage you, but I can't pull from your belly. Oh, I, I can't pull that from you. Hallelujah. That starts with you. I'm here tonight to activate you, to encourage you, to release you to do the things. 
Hallelujah. Lord, let revelation come to our heart tonight. Let revelation come to our eyes. This could change everything about us. Work with us, heaven. Work with us, heaven. Work with us, heaven. Come on, pray in the Holy Ghost. Heaven is hoping. Heaven is hoping. Heaven is watching. Angels that have been assigned to you are hoping you get it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Somebody tonight almost didn't make it tonight, but you got here. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Somebody missed the visitation tonight because they let something get in the way and they're not going to get the revelation of it. Well, why don't good things happen? Well, we don't apply ourselves or put ourselves in a position to get it. Heaven delivers. Heaven delivers. Heaven delivers. I said, Heaven delivers. Hallelujah. Heaven delivers. Hallelujah. Heaven delivers. Hallelujah. 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 God's not slack concerning His promise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's not God's fault things are not happening. Hallelujah. Revolutionize our thinking tonight, Father. Hallelujah. I am never alone. One thing heaven does is they deliver. Heaven delivers. I was reading in the book. Anna Warner, she's out of... Bickles Church in Kansas City and she's a seer. She sees things in the spirit. She's also an intercessor. But when the spirit of God's moving, she'll sit in the back of the church just so she can watch the activity that goes on, just because sometimes she jumps. And Pastor, she said one night they were in an altar ministry at the church praying for the sick, and there's a group of people huddled around a person praying for the person's back, very severe back problem. And as she was sitting in the back of the church just watching, she saw the angel of the Lord step through the doors of the church and just walk right down the aisle carrying a vertebrae. And, the, and she, this got her attention, and the angel just walked up to where the people were gathered on the person in prayer, and when the angel stepped in the midst of them and put forward that vertebrae, all of a sudden it was obvious the person had got their healing. Many people, whether you believe it or not, I don't know. But people that have seen glimpses of heaven, they've seen the warehouses full of parts. No, and that's not how God does it. It's abracadabra. There it is. No. God has angels like with Jacob that they come and go and make good God's promise. And tonight, if you got a problem, 
I don't know if it's for tonight or for Andrew. Over Andrew Sunday night, I'm having a healing service, but God told me that when I put my hands on people, it was just those things were going to. You've been having neck problems, sister? You've been having neck problems? How long you had it? Be all right if you never had that problem again. Oh, yeah. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Test it. Still kind of stiff? Any change? Deterioration, Lord, in the vertebrae. In Jesus' name. In Jesus. Just go ahead and test it. You don't sound too convincing. <laughs> well, it's all connected. To the back, you know, and all that. To the back. Okay, to the back. trouble touching your toes? Most of us would do that. I'm going to nudge you. I think. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. See if you can touch your toes now. Is that different? Do you feel anything happening? Do I need to be honest? No, not much. Okay, that's fine. We want people to be honest. Okay. Well, I, I hate it in service where they feel like they've got to make God look good, so they've got to <laughs> lie about it. How can we know except we're honest? Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Father, make good your promise right now. Make good your promise, Lord, right now. Make good your promise, Lord, right now. Hallelujah. Lord, I don't know if my sister believes it, but I believe it. I believe the truth of your word. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. You're not, you're not telling the fib, are you? No. Just go ahead and work it. Honest to God. You feel like something's happened now. Now, here's what I told my son-in-law just before service. I said, you know, many times people get healed on my faith. But my faith can't keep you healed. That's something you're going to have to do for yourself. And when your faith can join up with my faith, because people come to the house, get called out, God touch them. Why don't they get, well, they, they just hadn't 
got to that where they can keep it themselves. But if you can believe God that you can keep it, I believe God that he's done it. Amen. Anybody got migraine tonight? You been having migraines tonight? You're having a migraine right now? You got a migraine right now? Perfect. There's a filter on my mind on Facebook, and I cannot tell you the times. My friends, I got a migraine. Just yesterday, I talked to a guy in India. Never met him in my life. I saw migraine week and a half, the moment we spoke on the telephone, we talked about less than a minute, you knew that God had done it. Now you're tired of me quit, you want me to quit talking about it and just do it. And if, listen, if God will take it from you tonight, you might have other kind of headaches but not the migraine. But I'm going to believe God for the migraine. Now, test it. Shake it. Just try to make it. One more time. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Test it now. Honest report. Honest report. Nothing. Are you married to? Who are you married to? Who? Getting married? Guy in the blue, would she lie to me? You found her to be a liar. Are you lying now? Is it gone? And the word was, have you suffered these for a long period of your life? Kind of in and out. Listen. You're just going to forget about it in six months from now. Man, I have not had another headache. I know what God does. 